We value our freedom. We like the idea that we have the ability to make choices. We crave to be independent. But how much freedom, when it comes to choices, do we really, really have? I think in our mind, we try to believe we got a lot of it. But how much of it has been influenced or predetermined as we live our lives? With some Christians, there is this idea of predestination and that you actually have been predestined to be either saved or unsaved. How does that idea tie into this whole idea of the ability we have to make choices for ourselves? Today, as usual, I am joined by my partner, Janelle. And Janelle, so was it, pre- was it predestined that you were going to be here this morning? Mm, no. Well, if you hadn't been. <laughs> you, you'd be doing this solo, buddy. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it's like, uh-huh. do you really, that's what I find this subject fascinating is do we yes. really have this freedom of choice? And then how does that tie into how some Christians view this idea that God comes into play right? as far as affecting our choices? Mm-hmm. It's very, very deep. So, yeah, I mean, there would be people that ask you that, you know, that, did God want you here this morning? I mean, I Was did. Was it God's will that I showed up? Well, unless you refer to me as God, then... <laughs> <laughs> well... My job kind of depended on it, didn't it? <laughs> I don't know. So that, which is perfect. How much of that is predetermined, right? Right. So. But I yeah. chose to have this job. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I chose to wake up and get here this early. And we are lucky that we have our tech people, uh, yes, Ryan and Andrea, with us. I'm glad they uh, made that choice also. So that, that that's what's amazing is we, you know we get to do these podcasts mm-hmm. and. Pros or cons, we get to be in front of the cameras and the mics. Yeah. But if it wasn't for these two... We would not be here. But we would be. I think we might be here, but no one would know it. Right. We could just sit here and talk to each other. Well, we do that a lot anyway. Yes, we do. (laughs) Now we have an audience. Yeah. (laughs) And we're so glad you could be here today. Yeah. I hear you. So what else is going on for you right now? Oh, not much. I'm um, predestined to start this service, though. Our alternative worship. Yeah. It should incorporate some scripture, don't you think? I think so, because that becomes Mm -hmm. the basis upon which we'll be looking at this subject. Right. And so we're going to start with Romans 8, 29 to 30. Oh, Romans. You know, Romans is one of those harder books for me to wrap my head around. Why? You know, I think it was uh, Peter that said that Paul says some really hard things that are difficult to understand. I would agree. And I would agree with also. Right. So, But it's great because then you can write a lot of books and articles about it. Right. And especially this passage, we can really, really take this one apart, right? Mm. So for those whom God foreknew, foreknew, hmm, mm. he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. And that's the scripture. 
Vincent Van Gogh was born and died on March 30, 1852. He was buried next to the Dutch Reformed Church, where his father was a pastor. Exactly one year later, to the very day on March 30, 1853, another son was born to the Van Goghs. His parents gave him a name identical to that of his dead infant brother, Vincent Van Gogh. This second Vincent was to become the great artist, but he would spend his childhood years seeing his name on a nearby tombstone. He would never be truly loved by his mother who continued to grieve for the deceived Vincent. He would be shadowed by rejection and mental anguish all his brief life until his tragic death. Something had happened before he was born. That was to determine much of his life, or in the language of his Calvinist father, it was all a matter of predestination. There's a lot of individuals that feel the same way. It is all a matter of predestination. They suppose there is something beyond them or behind them that determines their life. Do, do you believe that? Do you believe that parts of, if not all of your life, has been predetermined either by God or some other force or forces? The text that Janelle just read for us hints at this. In it, Paul says, God knew before he made the world and God chose or predestined them. Now, a surface reading of that passage would seem to suggest that Paul believed God could see as easily into the future as the past. But if so, at least in God's mind, everything is already decided. And what will be, will be. Nor is this the only place in the Bible where you can find this sort of notion. There are passages which portray God as the potter and humans as the clay. We are told it was God who, quote, hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he did what he was told. We read that the Holy One chooses whom he will to make holy. From such passages and others, it would appear we humans have very little to do, and God has everything to do with who we are and what we become. On the other hand, there are other biblical passages which suggest just the opposite. For example, you must choose this day runs one such passage, whom you will serve. More pointedly, Jeremiah insisted, no longer will the fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth be set on edge, but each person shall be responsible for his own life. So it's no wonder that all through history, students and scholars have read the Bible first one way and then another. Augustine and Calvin and Luther, they talked a lot about predestination. Arminius and Erasmus and John Wesley, well, they spoke a lot about freedom. But all alike insisted 
that when it comes to this area of choice, of predestination, at the very least, we have to admit it is a mystery. Now, what is it you believe about your own life? If you are predestined, that means your life has been plotted out for you, perhaps before you were born or even conceived, that your eternal destiny is set. You may find some comfort in this, perhaps even boldness, if, you, if how you choose to live your life has been already predetermined. If God is for you, well, who who's can be against you? Think of the boldness that you could live your life with those ideas. This is seen in a young Muslim man who went off to war with kismet in his heart. Kismet is that fatalistic notion that he was marked for death or life and could not change the fact. In a curious sort of way, he was, even though he was going into war, he was free of fear especially the sort that arises from the uncertainty of a future for which he was responsible. Another person observed, in a world where everything is predetermined, at least no one is useless. Even the worst of us can serve as a horrible example. Well, the trouble with this notion of a predetermined life is that it can be viewed in quite another way. Instead of giving us boldness or a sense of comfort, it can become an excuse and an escape. The great biblical account of the Exodus is a perfect case. Freed from Egyptian slavery, the Israelites found themselves in the desert, having to fend for themselves. Their future, it was their responsibility now. And it was a threatening notion. So there in the wilderness, short of food, nervous about the future, they made themselves a golden calf like the ones they had worshipped in slavery. And many of them wanted to return back to slavery. Because for many of them, a predetermined life of slavery was actually more freeing than actual freedom. So we must never suppose that all persons yearn to be free. Some would rather not face the peril of thinking for themselves, risking their lives against an unknown future. Much rather would they have someone else think for them, tell them what to do and wrap them up in a mundane sense of security. Yet the question remains, who then is responsible for my life? Am I only a bundle of genetic consequences? Am I a product of social conditioning? Has God predestined me in such a way that I can do nothing about it? Indeed, this is a great mystery. I suppose we humans will never resolve it, but we have to live with it. We must live with it. So I would like to share with you a way that you might be able to live with this. In some respects, you and I 
are predestined. For example, I, I did not choose to be born. I did not choose who my parents were to be. I did not choose the historical epic or country of my birth, nor the immediate circumstances of my upbringing. Most of us do not choose to die, nor choose the exact manner of our death. But in spite of all of this, there is one freedom that I do have. It's a freedom that I not only have, but you have. You and I are free to choose what attitude we will take forward in it all. You and I are free to choose how we will live with what we have been given. Lewis Carroll, in his literary masterpiece, Alice in Wonderland, tells of Alice following a path through the forest in Wonderland when it comes to a split. Standing there ir irresolute, Alice inquires of the Cheshire cat who had appeared in a nearby tree which path she should take. Where do you want to go? asked the cat. I don't know, said Alice. Then, continued the cat, it really doesn't matter, does it? You see, mo must, you, you see, you must have some attitude towards your past. You have to know what you really want. You must decide the sort of life you'd like most. Or if not, then it doesn't matter whether you are predestined or if you're free. It just doesn't matter. I'm of the view that this notion, which has taken up so much time for religious folks, is mostly a matter of perception, the perspective from which we see things. The past and the future, we can see in very different ways. When we look back, everything is in place. Nothing can be changed. All is fixed and final, predestined, as it were. On the other hand, when we look into the future, nothing seems to be fixed. There seems to be all sorts of possibilities. Nothing is frozen and absolute. When a university professor insisted the iron law of cause and effect, he left something out. Our attitude. The fact that I may have been de deprived in childhood or misunderstood by my parents or caught in the throes of a depression or dragged off to war or denied a proper education or saddled with poor health, all of these does not mean I am not free to take whatever attitude I choose toward my past. In effect, you can live by remembering the past or by rem remembering the future. You can allow yourselves to be a prisoner to old memories and undying regrets, or you can dream. You can dream of what you'd like your life to be in the future and live by that dream. You can let the past control you, and if you do, you are predestined. You can be a prisoner of old superstitions and prejudices. You can suppose the stars define your fate. 
If so, please know you are predestined. And you are surely to wallow in self-pity, blame yourselves for your failures, and keep on passing the buck and blame to other people. But you don't have to. In reality, none of this solves the mystery. But it does give us a way to lead our life. Plainly, there is a sort of predestination the past is there, unchangeable, but it is also dead and gone. Now, you and I have the freedom to choose the future. You and I are responsible for that. There's an old story from the tortured Middle East of the time when a spy was captured by the Persian army. The commanding general, though part of a cruel regime, was himself a man of intelligence and even compassion. He permitted the spy, in accordance with a strange custom, to make a choice. The prisoner could either face a firing squad with a quick and easy death or pass through a black door. He had a choice to make. The spy chose the firing squad. Much later, an aide to the general asked, Why did he choose as he did? The general replied, Because most people fear the unknown more than anything else. What lies behind the black door? The aide then asked. Freedom, replied the general. And I've only known a very few who were brave enough to choose freedom. And so the question becomes, as it has been all along, not what is it you believe, but what is it you will do with your freedom? have a little discussion about all that yeah let's i have a confession to make okay i, I, I didn't even wear my collar this morning <laughs> well i'm gonna confess anyway. just pre just pretend i'm indecisive oh that's my confession i'm indecisive about what in general everything ask my husband he can't get me to decide on a restaurant for my life anytime we want to go out such a process. Are you indecisive about your indecisiveness? 
Yes. Oh, you are real trouble. I'm really in trouble. Yeah. And so for the longest part of my life, I'm always wondering, what am I supposed to be? What should I do? Ah. What should I get my degree in? What am I doing? And then Psalm 139. I think it's Psalm 139. Yes. That was so comforting to me because I'm wonderfully made. I've been knitted by God in my mother's womb. I have a plan so for you. I, yes. Yeah. I don't have to worry. I yeah. can now just sit back and, and be okay with it. Yes. It's wonderful. And follow the path. Yes. That has been preset for you. And it was so easy and comfortable. Yeah. Until you had the Alice moment. And I did have an Alice moment. And so I thought, wait a minute. Am I missing out on the journey of discovery? Tell me of more. Myself Tell me more. By totally surrendering to God and his plan, don't you just kind of kick back and say, hmm. He's got it made. Yeah, it's and like I'm being fine it's and... like being on cruise control or driving right. a Tesla and it drives for you. Oh yeah. Every once in a while it asks you to check in to make sure you're still awake. Right. But otherwise it kind of just goes its own way. Exactly. So, so you so you liked it. You you found that sense of comfort and boldness. I did. And, wow. And even necessity, when necessity required that I figure stuff out, that made it easier to get through. Yeah. And if a you storm. made so, what if you made the wrong choice in the storm? Let's say, what happens if you make the wrong choice? Well, How then did that you... was God. God knew I was going to make a wrong choice, uh -huh. and so He sets up, okay, the consequences. And then God somehow would get you through mm -hmm. that, that situation, even that. if it was your fault to begin with. Right. Interesting. <sighs> so, what happened? I don't know. I think I read too much yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you, you got to quit reading. I do. All of you, all of us have got to quit reading because it, in, new ideas give us new thoughts, I which know. gives us. So I'm trying to process it. Yeah. So tell me more. So now I'm wondering, do we have free will? Really? You know, that's a. If a, I believe in predestination. Right then I don't know that we really have free will. Aren't we kind of like pawns? <laughs> well, a lot of Christianity is based upon this idea of free will. In order to explain the idea of sin, mm -hmm. you have to have, when you see all the suffering in the world that's happening, Yeah. one of the ways to explain that suffering is to blame it on something, to give a, a initial cause that brought about that suffering. Yeah. So... Rather than blaming it on God and saying that God is the source of all suffering, we opt for two different things. Mm. Number one, we created this idea of a Satan. Okay. So we can blame Satan for part of it. For malevolence, yes. And then another part of that is we blame ourselves, our free will. But it's not our free will necessarily. It's the free will of Adam and Eve because it was their choice. The fall of man, right. That saw the consequences of that be in every human being. And that's the, the idea that some Christians hold of original sin. The mm -hmm. idea that because of the free will of Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. then in return, everyone is born with a sinful nature, original sin. And we all have responsibility for that? 
Yeah, personal personal responsibility. Unless you will su- you will suffer the consequences of that. Unless, as many Christians believe, mm-hmm. you have to accept salvation. Mm. <laughs> There's the rub. Exactly. So right it's it, it is then some ways you're we are all predestined according to this idea. Yeah. Than to be sinners because of the choice of two people. So mm-hmm. how much freedom do you really have? If you're born with a sinful nature, in some ways you're already predetermined that you're going to naturally make inclinations and make choices in certain ways because of that. And so how right. fair is that? Not. It doesn't seem that way. Like, I was reading a little bit about Marxism and how... Um, <laughs> Man, you were in the bushes yesterday, <laughs> weren't really you? In the rabbit hole, <laughs> and so uh, Marxism is is you become pawns of social forces. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of that feels like that almost that we are p- kind of puppets or pawns of a plan that we don't have any control over. Well, I think about I think about, for example, my wife has recently got into plants and cacti oh she loves that and she's actually something happened to her because before uh this latest adventure any time she tried to grow anything green it was like the immediate death penalty for that i have that thumb yeah but she doesn't now anymore they're flourishing it's actually kind of cool to look around and see them but when you put a seed in the soil yeah does the seed have free will to grow or not no, it has to be taken care of. Right, but it doesn't have free will. It just does instinctively. Yes. And, and what it has been programmed genetically to do, mm-hmm. and that is grow. And so I think that goes back to your questions about all these other factors, social factors that come into play. Yeah. When you consider our genetic background, mm-hmm. and then you consider all these other things that socially come into play. Yeah. How much free will do we actually have? And that's what I liked about this sermon was that even if we don't have as much free will as we think we do, mm-hmm. we still have an attitude that we can bring to it. So that's where the choice comes in. Well, even that, see, that's, why did you ask that? Well, because you have a choice to make. Yeah, How are you going to face this this yeah, but, you know, malevolent thing coming at you? You can either... But how about... I mean, I think about people that are, are depressed. Yeah. I, I don't think... I mean, we know that's not a choice. No. So if you're depressed and how mm-hmm. then you face whatever is coming before you, mm-hmm. is that really your choice at that point? Well, if you believe in predestination. Right. And that becomes the whole issue. Because I think there's two different things when it comes. I love the face you just made. Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, you just missed out on a great squinty eye <laughs> glare that I got shot at me. <laughs> I think well, what's interesting about this, though, is that there's two different kind of predestinations. There's the predestination. Of really? Two? Well, maybe more. But the idea that we are predestined when it comes to our own choices and like Uh you were saying, when you have this indecisiveness about you. Mm -hmm. On the other side, 
there are many Christians who believe that predestination is about your eternal destiny. Uh, and that takes it into a whole nother realm. Right. I, well, I, I don't know. I, isn't all Christianity about that? No, no. no. Calvinism. Is what Calvinism Explain. came up with an idea along, he wasn't unique, but he's yeah. the one that kind of solidified it. Mm -hmm. And when I was in seminary, one of the ways we remembered it was the acronym TULIP. <laughs> yeah, TULIP, <laughs> the flower, TULIP. Okay, all right. And what does it mean? All right, T stands for totally depraved. Okay. The idea of total depravity that we are all sinners. Okay. U is unconditional election. One writer says it the following way. He says, before any man or woman is born, in fact, before the world was even made, mm -hmm. God decided who would go to heaven and who would not. Before they did good or bad, God chose some to be his people and rejected others. That is what is called unconditional election. By God. By God. Not our election. No. Okay. It's not even a matter of choice. It's been predetermined. Okay. So L is yes. limited atonement. And again, that same author says the atonement is limited to those whom God elected. Every sin of every one of Christ's sheep is mm -hmm. paid for. Those sins and those alone have been paid for. That is the only gospel because... That is the Bible. And then the last two is I is irresistible, irresistible grace and P, preservation of the saints. Preservation the, of the saints? Yes, that God, if he has elected you, will make sure to take you all the way through to the end. Oh, okay. With eternal life. See, that's so comforting. It's comforting if you think you're one of the predestined. The reality is... But don't who, we all feel it, that way, though? Exactly. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is why would anyone kind of walk around going, uh, I guess I'm not the one. I wasn't chosen. God didn't predetermine me. Unless you're Eeyore. Yeah, that's true. Or... <laughs> I'm just saying. You know what I mean? But I think that's what's interesting about this idea. And there's actually support for this idea when you think about the Jewish nation in Israel, okay, they were chosen by God. Yeah. Out yeah. of all the other nations, they were chosen. In right. Exodus, it says it wasn't because they were better than all the other people. In fact, they were just as bad and in some situations actually worse. Right. And yet God chose them. Mm -hmm. So this idea of God choosing ahead of time, now, how that's comforted for some people is they say that the reason it's comforting is because God chose Israel to be a blessing to other people. And it was going to use Israel yes. to be able to save all the other nations. But then came Jesus. And again, that would have been predetermined. Because many people see, Christians see, that Old Testament prophecies mm. were predicting the coming of Jesus. Okay. Now, gotcha. what's interesting, though, is they have to do a lot of massaging of the text mm -hmm. and even 
taking it out of context in order to make it say those things. Who had to do this? Those individuals who believe that Old Testament prophecies spoke about the coming of Jesus. Okay. Because if you're seen in its true context, Mm -hmm. it really doesn't talk about Jesus. Right. Doesn't mention him. Right. So this idea, again, that we are comfort, we find comfort in the idea that somehow God is in control of our world. That's what it is. Yeah. It's a control thing. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, in some ways, we always want to be kids. Yeah, like I said earlier, I I think we always need to have something more profound than us. Mm -hmm. Watching over us or... or, or... As a kid, it's your parents. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, if we look at it from a psychological point of view... Yeah. We should emotionally evolve to the point or mature to the point where we parent ourselves. Should, yes. So that... (laughs) That doesn't always happen. Exactly. So in turn, we look outside of ourselves... Yeah. ...for that. And a lot of times, it shifts from physical beings, our parents, Mm -hmm. to either a spouse or a partner or to a god. To a god, transcendent, something bigger than us. Right. Usually, that seems more healthy it seems than making your spouse. <laughs> but it seems healthy as long as it doesn't get confusing. Okay. What happens when that happens? <laughs> well, for example, if you believe that God is in control of your life, this path yes. that you said. Yes. Um, I mean, you've had some, some physical surprises uh, yes. to your to your being, your body. I have. And it was from necessity that I got through them believing in my faith in God and that this is where I was supposed to be. Right. But what about the person who maybe had this exact same incident happen to them, Mm -hmm. but they couldn't hang on to that. And instead they saw if God is in control then I don't want that God in my life anymore because look at what God did to me. So, yeah, but what did they turn to? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I want to know. Well, I think a lot of times that's where you'll find, for example, um, humanists Mm -hmm. will turn to themselves and to other people. Yes. And I think in some degrees, if we're honest, Christians do the exact same thing. We do. We say that God is present through other people. Oh, right. That we right. experience the reality of this transcendence through, through community. Th- through community. Right. They're saying the humanist would say the exact same thing. It's just they don't believe that there's a God behind that necessarily. It's looking for relationship in some other entity. Yeah. And, and that is ultimately what helps us to be able to maneuver through life, isn't it? I mean, that's right. either you see God as God through other people or you just see other people being your support system. Mm-hmm. Which is probably good until you're about to die. 
And you don't know what's on the other side of the door. And none of us know what's on the other side of that black, black door. door. Exactly. None of, <laughs> and let's, and let's be, no, if you believe in predestination, mm-hmm. then you know what's on the other side of the door. Right. Or you think you know. Because if you truly know, then it wouldn't be what many Christians call an element of faith. Right. You That's got, hopeful. I mean, That's it, Yes, but it's still not factual. Because if it's factual, we wouldn't call it faith. True. So but it, it's hopeful. And it, that's yes. Hope, but you can't. Yes. And so I literally was talking to someone this morning. Mm-hmm. And they said that before their father died, uh-huh. he, he said to his family, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. <laughs> so he may not have had hope. But he instead, had he had curiosity <laughs> Okay, <laughs> as he anticipated this sense of what might be. And I think, again, that goes back to what was talked about in the monologue, and that is it's our attitude toward life. Right. It's, it is comforting to idea that I'm walking this path, as you said. Mm-hmm. On the other side, it could be just as comforting and perhaps for some people even more exciting to be curious. So I come to the fork in the road and it's like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> that would be you. <laughs> yeah, cool. Now what do I, you know, let's see, let's see, you know, flip, you know, toss a coin and see which direction we're going to go. Huh. I don't know. I need something more to hold me together. Like, But isn't that, Janelle, the beauty of what, <laughs> what you just said is so powerful? It is. Yeah. Every human being Mm -hmm. needs that. Yes. And they just find it in different ways. That's true. For a Christian, they find it in very much a sense of God. Mm -hmm. And that could be from a fundamental to evangelical to a liberal, doesn't matter, in how there are different views of God, but they find it there. But for an atheist or a humanist or agnostic, agnostic, they find it in different ways. I mean, ultimately, we're all just trying to get through this journey called life. <laughs> now, if you believe that your way is the only way, mm-hmm. then that creates a form of, it affects, number one, your attitude toward other people. Right. And it affects this sense of what would you call it? Almost this sense of, uh, I'm, I can't come up with the word. Contention? Yeah. And how you, how you deal with yourself and other people. There's almost this guilt that I've got to get everyone else to believe the way that I believe. Right. And if people want to live with that, then so be it. Huh. Makes me think of what Jesus would have said. Which was? I don't know. What would he have said? Um, I'm not going to guess. <laughs> but you're supposed to know all the answers. Um, then <laughs> the one answer I do know is I don't have all the answers. Perfect. Yeah, but again, that's what makes life fun. And I think it's that's true. what I loved again about this monologue is that it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's how we approach it. Exactly. It's the attitude that the we attitude. bring to it. Yes. And if we see it as a mystery, yeah, then that's where out of that can come the curiosity. 
It's like SpongeBob. Uh-oh. <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob has the golden spatula, and he flips the burgers, and he always, always flips anything that comes his way, any malevolent thing uh. or trial or storm. He does a SpongeBob flip, and he flips it to something positive. There's nothing negative about SpongeBob. I love SpongeBob. Now, this is completely off the subject, but if I remember correctly, you have a teenage daughter. I do. You have an adult son. I do. You do not have grandchildren. No. What in the world are you watching SpongeBob for? (laughs) We sit around and we watch SpongeBob. It's great. Come on. Because he's so positive. Yeah. No. It's a way. It's our attitude. Yeah. Don't you think we should all be more like SpongeBob? Yeah, I think that yeah, I think you nailed it. And in fact, that's actually a good way to end in this conversation. It's very theological, don't you think? You know that some of those writers, <laughs> yeah, but some of those writers actually can be entertaining for children, but as adults when you watch them, all of a sudden you realize that it's very there is, profound. Yeah. There is. Yeah. And I think again, in some ways you could say they are modern day parables. Ooh. Yeah. That's a stretch. SpongeBob, okay. a modern day parable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, but Janelle, this has been fun. I, it has. I we so, didn't get any answers, did we? No, but that's the beauty of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I I enjoy here at Church of the Beatitudes. Uh, both opportunities we have for spiritual gatherings. You know, we have our more traditional one at 1030. What I, the one thing I miss about that, however, that kind of service is what we got afterwards. This actually leaves me feeling like more complete. Does it? Yeah. When I preach just by myself, it leaves me feeling like you can watch. Did I reach anybody? You can look at eyes. Mm -hmm. You can see, you know, now that we're not having masks, you can watch facial expressions. That's true. So there's the, that, but to actually be able to almost debrief uh-huh. is, is yeah. fun. And I'm glad that, uh, that you're here to do that with. Great. I'm glad that you were predestined to be here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And I'm glad I had some coffee before we talked. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so thank you very much for either watching us live or perhaps this has been something you've listened to a podcast at a later time. If you ever want to give us comments, uh, we would love to hear you from you. You could email us at Janelle. Media at BeatitudesChurch.org. And we would love to hear from you. We would, and we will reply to those. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it, like us, and enjoy the freedom that you have in life. And be willing to live with the mystery and a sense of curiosity. Have a wonderful week and take care. Bye, everybody. <laughs>